Hey, fellow Boundary Breakers, if your current delegation systems are not working to get you out of the day-to-day in your business, there is an exercise on our website that is the first step to get you out of the delegation catch-22. I'm going to throw the link in the show notes for you to go ahead and download. People love innovation. You know, I won a lot of innovation awards. I think people were happy that there was something new out there that had never been done before. And I did. I took a risk. I didn't tell anybody about this until I knew it was really going to fly when I worked with the hair color company. And I think that they really pull behind you. They really kind of pull for you because you did something. Welcome to another episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. I'm your host, Casey Gromer. I am the founder of She Sweet Boutique. With over 20 years of marketing and business management experience, I work with small businesses and female founders using our signature business blueprint. On the show, you get tools, advice, resources, support, and encouragement that resonates with the modern businesswoman. So, fellow boundary breakers, let's dive in. Hello, fellow Boundary Breakers, and welcome to a new episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. I'm your host, Casey Gromer, and today I have a treat for you. I have a special guest on the podcast today. She was an absolute peach to talk to, and she has an extremely interesting business that I think is just right in line with the personality of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. We are talking to Nancy Jarecki today. Nancy has a very decorated background, but what we're going to be talking to you about today is her company, Betty Beauty. And I have to tell you a funny story. When I heard from Nancy, we connected through email and she shared with me what we could possibly talk about. I think I glossed over some of the small details. And I was thinking she had a beauty company, which she does. And I was thinking that one of the things she wanted to talk about is hair dye, which she did. However, the unique thing about Betty Beauty is it's hair dye for your bikini area. I had no idea I had no idea this was even a thing, and I don't know how I didn't know this was a thing because it makes a million times sense that there is a product out there for women to help our carpet match the drapes. Am I right? So I think this is an incredible topic for us to talk about today, and the journey that Nancy has gone through to get this company off the ground, especially with it being such a taboo topic because this was launched, you know, like in the early 2000s. And this is a time when media and magazines and people were not talking about this stuff. So here's just a little bit about Nancy's background because we had so much to talk about. We didn't really get to get into her background and who she is and what she does. And so Nancy again, is the founder of Betty Beauty. And she is from, born and raised in Kansas. So she's from the Midwest, which is where my home is. 
and she is a serial entrepreneur. So she uh, started her career in Los Angeles, and in 1986, she was part of a startup cable network called Movie Time. And Movie Time was actually bought out and became E Entertainment Television. And so Nancy stayed on with that company. It was part of the launch team for E Entertainment. So that's pretty cool. Also, at the same time, she was married and she and her husband launched. Her husband's Andrew. He is a documentary filmmaker. You can Google him. And they started Movie Phone. And then they moved to New York, and Movie Phone was then bought out in 1999 by AOL. And then they moved to Rome, Italy for a couple of years, which is where Nancy came up with the idea for Betty Beauty. One of the things that Nancy is going to talk to you about today is, first of all, she is a storyteller. So let me just warn you that her story is super interesting. And she is going to share with you kind of this whole idea generation process and how you take something that does not exist, an innovation like pubic hair dye, for example, and you take it from nothing into something. So that is going to be a a good part of her story. So I can't wait for you to tune in. The links are going to be in the show notes. I am probably going to go out and buy some Betty Beauty because I have to see what all the hype is about. Nancy has received so many awards. She's been featured in pretty much every magazine known to mankind, including the first magazine she was ever featured in was Vogue. In 2008, she won the Cosmetic Executive Women's Indie Award, which is considered the Oscars of the beauty industry. She's a member of the Robin Hood Foundation Leadership Council Board, and she also sits as chairman and on the board of Project ALS. So let's welcome Nancy Jarecki to Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. We have Nancy Jarecki on the podcast today. Nancy, I am so excited to talk to you. You have a very interesting and exciting business to share with our audience. And also, we're going to be having some conversations about your kind of journey and your experience. But before we get to that, would you tell our audience who you are and what you do and a little bit about your company, which is Betty Beauty? Sure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. My name is Nancy Jarecki. I was born in a small town and raised in Kansas, only to grow up to be the creator and the founder of Betty Beauty, which is a specialty hair color dye for the hair down there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk about this today because I didn't even notice that when when we first connected. And I thought, oh, we're just going to talk about hair dye. But then I went to your website. I'm like, oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. That's right. It's a specially formulated hair dye specifically for body hair and definitely for the hair down there. Who knew that people would go gray and freak out and need a solution for anti-aging down there. Yes, I love it. Well, first of all, I have so many questions. I love this conversation because as a woman of a certain age, these things that you know I had never had to think about before are starting to kind of crop up and, and 
Literally. Hair dye is for every, like, you know, it's just a little more sensitive these days to how things are changing and how, you know, we want to continue to show up. So what was your inspiration for starting uh, something like this? So living in a place where you always heard about how the carpets match the drapes, is she a true blonde? We all kind of knew those expressions. Well, one year, our two sons and my husband, we moved to Rome, Italy. We had sold one company, decided let's go somewhere. Living in Rome, Italy, I was going to hair salons and yeah, I'm a blonde. Uh, I'm a beigey blonde, ash blonde, and no great salons in Rome knew how to cater to my hair. So I was kind of bopping around salons. And I started to realize, not just in this one salon, but in a couple salons, when the women were checking out, they would get a little brown baggie of something. And you would see to the delight getting it from the colorist from the back bar, they would say, grazie, grazie, thank you. And I, I thought, oh, that's interesting. They're giving like a free gift. And so, so when I checked out, I was like, what's in the bag? And the woman looks at me, draws back and goes, well, like it's a secret. So she basically said, oh, is extra dye for the head up there to make it match. And I thought, of course, that's genius. Then knowing, oh, there's no way. Wait, how can that work? That's regular dye. That must be so dangerous. So I just kind of thought about it. And it brought me back to when my uncle, when I was little, had Playboys. And my cousins and I would find them. And remember, you would open them up. And there'd be a blonde, but she had blonde hair down there. And you couldn't figure out until you were much older where you realized, wait a second, they don't grow blonde hair like that. So people are already bleaching it. Moved back to New York a couple years later, had this on my mind. I thought, I'm going to research this. There's no use doing a product unless you find out there's a real demand for it. So I hired a couple girls from Barnard College, that's smart women's college here in New York City. And I said, I need to flag about, let's say, 300 hair salons. And we need to ask a question, one specific question that I'm looking for, but we'll do it in a cryptic questionnaire so they don't know exactly what we're asking. So they figured out how to get the contact information to these salons throughout the United States. And mind you, this was in 2006 is when I started it. We didn't launch until end of 2007. So just to give you a timeline. So there was not a lot of internet. And so there's a lot of grunt work doing this. So we sent out this cryptic questionnaire. Do you do waxing? Do you wax eyebrows? Do you wax the bikini area? Do you do Brazilians? Do you color eyebrows? Do you color roots? Has anyone ever asked you if you or would you color their hair down there in the bikini area? And We got back, not all 300, but we got back a line share of them, and almost all of them said that they have been asked if you could color down there, would they color it, and they go gray, or they want to match. And I thought, wow, there was enough for me. I literally didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my husband that I was kind of doing this research. Then I started to realize if there's a demand, which I think there is, what are the next steps? So what I did was I looked up beauty conventions because I knew I needed a hair color. I knew I needed certain things. I had it in my head. And 
I just started to go to conventions and learn about different components, how I would do it, because there's already hair color. I didn't need to reinvent the wheel 100%, but I know I needed to change the formula. Doesn't smell good, too runny. So I researched and found the doctor who worked with all the hair color companies and the government to change them when they at one time in the 70s, 80s, and 90s were dangerous. And so I tracked that guy down, Dr. Jeffrey Cabot, didn't tell him what I was doing until I was going to meet with him, basically told him what I wanted to do, why, and if there was a way to create something that would be safe. I basically pitched, I want to do something that you feel your wife would feel comfortable using in such a sensitive area. He taught me about hair color, the different carcinogen colors, stay away from those. You'll probably want to use some polymers. And now I need to find a manufacturer. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to find Clairol or Revlon. They're never going to, you know, take me. So I researched small manufacturers of hair color throughout the United States. Nobody responded to me. Nobody except one company in New Jersey by the name of Hair Systems. It's a family-run company, and they do a lot of big business. And they said, we'd love to see you. So I have my prototypes. I already knew what I wanted to do with the product as far as marketing. I had to make it a beauty product instead of, oh, there's a problem down there, and I'm going to fix it. And that was my entire marketing plan was to make people feel like it was a beauty product. Had my prototypes. I knew that I wanted to do the natural colors, which would be blonde, black, brown, auburn. And I wanted to throw in a fun color. So I want to do hot pink. Sweet. And so I take my little goods, you know, like Willie Loman over to English Town, New Jersey to Hair Systems. And I set them out there and I show them some of the questionnaires that there is a need for this. And they just kind of look at me and they were like, this is not a bad idea. Let's try it. So I worked with them, came up with the five colors. Of course, they had connections to getting it tested. So by that time, I had told my husband, I had also figured out how to incorporate myself, which that was the easy part. And then we did some small runs, we had it tested, and it looked like it was, you know, good to go. Now, the other issue was getting insured because this product had never been done. Right. So I had lawyers who were like, you're never going to get insurance. This is lawsuits waiting to happen, even if there's like a little irritation. So I checked around had it tested, showed insurance companies that nobody from all of our testing really had issues at all. And I got insured. So now we're really good to go. And what do you do? You need to launch the product. I hire a press company, PR company. And they were like, you're never going to get, and of course it's a beauty product. So I want to get in the glossies, which, you know, back in the day, Vogue, Bizarre, Allure. And they're like, never. And back then, we never said the word pubic or vag or anything. So in order to work for the company, you couldn't say those things, but you could teach them how to redirect how to say the equivalent of pubic hair, which is the hair down there 
or for your Betty, the hair down there. And it was like our mantra. I had a PR company who said, well, we can get you into like maybe Maxim magazine. And I go, nope. I go, we're going to go for the glossies. And they're just like, Nancy, to try and get you death sides, what you used to do to the beauty editors, I just don't think they're going to ever do anything about pubic hair. So I go, if I can get it in one of the magazines, which one would be the best one that everyone would follow suit? If I got, if I can just get into one. And they're like, well, you're never going to get in there. And I go, well, what is it? And they go, Vogue magazine. All right. So Vogue, it's going to be. I love you. <laughs> so nice. But it's just like, I know I can pitch this. I know, what you know, it's a beauty product. Right. The packaging is beautiful. Also, something that is that was very important is I knew perhaps because it had never been on the market before. And when you launch something, everybody copies it. I knew I wanted to secure the hardest way to copy my product. And that would have been probably in the name. And I thought, what can I own that will be difficult? And I decided it was the shape of the triangle to represent. There's no other shape. There's no other thing that can easily represent that bikini area. Right. So I found a copyright lawyer who did difficult trademarks and copyrights. And I found out that he did the color brown for UPS. Oh, my God. And I thought, if you could do a (laughs) color, you can do a shape. Right. Sure enough. Rob Pally, I went to him. This is what I want to do. So I secured, and that's where a lot of my money definitely went. And it was very smart, very smart. So to know where your money should go to make the biggest impact is actually one of the biggest kind of insights that I felt that I did properly, but I was able to secure the triangle, which to this day, Schick, Gillette, uh, Nair, all those companies cannot use a triangle to depict that area. I also own the words down there, hair down there, and anything to just kind of deter anybody trying to copy me or easily copy me. I happen to be in a situation where here in New York City, I do get to go. I have a couple of friends who are fashion designers and I do, you know, come across Anna Winter every so often. And she knows who we are, my husband and I. And I decide, what have I got to lose? I mean, seriously, what have I got to lose? So I approach her and I say, hi. And, you know, she's very, first of all, she's very nice. I don't care what anybody says about her. As a woman myself who knows exactly what I want, I might also be portrayed as equal as she. She's a woman who knows what she wants. And I have always found her extremely accessible to a degree as well as respectful. And she's just somebody who knows what she wants. Well, it's common for women who are a little bit more extroverted and like decisive to be labeled as things that we're not. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So I say to her, I might have something, you might be interested for Vogue. And she just kind of looks at me and I'm sure she probably thought a lifestyle piece. 
And so she goes, interesting. Well, why don't we have lunch? Sweet. So I take my little products, the prototypes. I go to the Condé Nast building. I am ushered into this wonderful lunch, beautiful room in Condé Nast. There is a writer, Sally Singer, who is there with me, who is the main writer for Vogue magazine. She's in attendance for lunch. She's to my left. Anna comes in. She's sitting in front of me. We have pleasantries. We eat. And she goes, well, I go, okay, I'm going to show you something that I've been working on. I go, but you have to close your eyes. And Sally Singer looks at me like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Whispers. I go, no, seriously, guys, you have to close your eyes. And I go, okay, open your eyes. And Anna had a poker face. And I knew this could either kill me where she's like, this woman is completely insane. I will never cross paths with her again. Or we'll see what she says. She eyes all of them down the row to the fifth one. She picks up Auburn Betty. She kind of draws it, turns it around, draws it closer to uh, reading it. She looks at me. She puts it down. You now can see that Sally can see what it is. You can just see Sally is like mortified. (laughs) And Anna looks at me and goes, interesting. Very interesting. She looks at Sally. She looks at me. She goes, seems like we have an article to write. Sweet. Sally looked at me and it was wonderful. And so it was the first time that Vogue magazine wrote about anything from like literally the neck down, basically. And my PR company is like, there's no way. And from that point on, it was pitched as a beauty product. I did it and then follow suit all the other ones. I've been in like every magazine, you know, magazine. And then we launched and because the magazines are the long lead. So I needed to set that up for when I was going to launch like four months later. Right. And we launched at a beauty show called Cosmoprof in Las Vegas. It was really exciting. Jay Leno, we did, we were on Jay Leno. You can look it up. It's pretty funny where they're like, are you kidding me? I think I'm actually going to put a link to that in the show notes. If oh, we do, yeah. find it, it would be great. Yeah. You know, from there, we just really took off. We got, you know, salespeople through the country in their different regions. And then that's when we started to get a lot of pushback, where a lot of these companies that are run, these these representational companies for sales, they're usually run by kind of the old school men. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it. They would not bring the product in. So... We knew we had these stumbling blocks with people just pushing back on the concept of the product. Of course, the salespeople would get it from us, give it to their boss. It would sit in the office and the guy would be like, no way. You know, this is crazy. You know, this is, I don't like this. I don't get it. And so (laughs) we realized that it would just be a matter of time where there's this one particular one that was in Pennsylvania. And he just was like, no way. And his people were just, the salespeople were just kind of like, I won't name him. We can't get to Mr. So, you know, Mr. McGillicuddy. (laughs) That's not his name, by the way. So if there's a Mr. McGillicuddy out there, I apologize. (laughs) So I would get him on the phone and I would speak to these guys. And I go, you know, 
McGillicuddy, I understand. It's a new product. It's we, you know, it's an awkward thing, but we don't even use what you know, it's just for the hair down there. And like I was trying to make him comfortable. And he goes, I gotta be honest with you. I'm going to bridge this weekend. And honestly, I was gonna tell the group about it because it's so funny and it's just kind of wacky, you know. So uh I I don't know. I this is not for us. You seem like a great kid, you know, like the whole thing, right? You can stereotypical. A week goes by, a couple of weeks go by, Mr. McGillicuddy calls. He asks for me. He's like, all right, I went to bridge. I told the entire group about it. The men chuckled. The women stopped, paused. Well, that's not a bad idea. Well, isn't that really? Then... I felt bad. I reconnected with the office. I talked to some of the guys. Then I wanted to look at the product again. So I went to the office, you know, into my office where I knew I had left it, you know, to to collect dust, honestly. And the products weren't there. So I asked around and he goes, little did I know, but all the secretaries took him. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, all right, Jarecki. Let's do this. And and actually, that area in Pennsylvania was one of our biggest sellers, and it was to the Amish. Oh, my gosh. That took me by surprise. Yeah. Well, I mean, we should never have had to struggle that hard to talk about something that was just so... It's there. Like, it's not a secret that we all have hair down there, right? And for us to talk about it. And I imagine that launching this when you did, if you were to do something similar today, you'd have a much different experience. But I'm also wondering if you feel like because it was so taboo, do you feel like that was actually to your... I mean, you probably had to work a little bit harder, but because you're the only one on the market doing this thing, and it is kind of a little bit of risque taboo, do you think people were more willing to take a chance on you to see what happened with it? Yeah. And I think people love innovation. Yeah. You know, I won a lot of innovation awards. I think people were happy that there was something new out there that had never been done before. And I did. I took a risk. I didn't tell anybody about this until I knew it was really going to fly when I worked with the hair color company. And I think that they really pull behind you. They really kind of pull for you because you did something. And... (laughs) And I do come from a small town in Kansas. And so things were building up. It was going to be all, you know, everywhere. I I got a lot of press and stuff. So my brother is with my father and sits him in front of the computer, puts on my website. My dad, he's kind of showing my dad. They're kind of going through all the colors, what it is. My brother's reading it to him, you know, to him. And my father was very youthful, you know, back then. But it was just like, he just wanted him to understand what it was and before he read about it somewhere or someone else said something. And so my dad just kind of looks in, looks at it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, well, somebody had to do it. And it was great. I love that. <laughs> so you were originally serving women, but now... I hear you're launching some, something for men. I'm kind of curious to hear what you've got planned for that. We knew when we were doing the business, 
we had a lot of men kind of call in or wonder, hey, is it okay if I use that? I have, you know, some gray down there. And men were really on the anti-aging. They were already doing their hair, but they were aging on their body hair, they're in the groin area and their chest hair and also their beards. So the only product that's out there is just for men. And unfortunately, just for men really dyes it in a way that it looks fake. And also it's too harsh to use on chest hair. They do claim you can use it on your beard. People would call us and say, no, I can't. It's so irritating. And certainly they're not going to use it down there. So we started to sell to men. And they loved it because it was so natural looking. It didn't look like shoe polish when they put it on. It was very conditioning and men absolutely loved it. And so we we sold to the men. It was completely fine. They didn't care that it had a woman's shape and it was called Betty. So when this company approached me to buy me, I was in the middle of trying to do a men's product that was packaged for men and they wanted that. And so I said, I would love to do that with you guys as kind of my exit, you know, last hurrah, because I think it's going to be going to be a big deal. And so I did some, you know, medical research about gray hair. And I'm not going to pronounce it right, because I had a brain injury <laughs> about 10 years ago, and I don't know how to pronounce. And even though the team has tried to teach me how to say the words, I can't. There's just something that doesn't connect. But the melanin sites, like melanin sites. So what that is, is in hair is like a sheath. The sheath is what carries or cultivates the color of the hair. So it's around the follicle and on the sheath building up to the piece of hair. And on men, for whatever reason, the sheath does not last as long on beard hair, chest hair, and pubic hair or groin hair. I feel I can say pubic now. Yeah. And it wears out faster than head hair. We really found out this true fact information of these guys that premature grain, they feel self-conscious. They want to do it to feel younger and just feel better about themselves. So that was part of the launch that we're doing is to get that out there to say, hey, this is a beauty product. This is an anti-aging product that I think you guys will want to have. Awesome. I think that's going to go really well for you. I think it will. So you mentioned selling the company, and that's something that we're interested in talking about. This isn't your first rodeo, it sounds like, either. So you've sold a couple companies. And I'm wondering what you can tell our listeners about... Like, There's so little information out there. If you're starting up a business, we know that at some point, something is going to change. We're not going to be in it anymore. But there's not a lot of like in-depth information out there about how to sell a business, what you need to do to make sure your business is sellable. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering if what you have to share with us about how you went through that and how you set yourself up to be attractive and acquired. You know, there's a series of different ways that you can sell a company. One is, first of all, you just have to work on focus on your company. Too many times people 
especially people who are the inventor or who are the CEOs or the people who are starting it, they get bogged down with too many SKUs, you know, too many, okay, I'm just going to build this up. One, their burn monthly kills them. Focus on what products that you want to get out there. Which ones have the demand? I started out with five. I actually got pushback on the fun buddy from my own husband that said, that's a novelty. That's not going to be a return sale. He was wrong because I actually could sell up twice where, hey, have fun with fun buddy, hot pink, and then dye it back to your natural color. So I actually, and it turned out that my hunch was right about fun Betty. It really was what paid the bills for several, several months consistently. We did very well with that fun color. Well, and just for our listeners, I think you have a couple of fun colors. So you have hot pink in there and also the Malibu blue, aqua blue color. Is there, I may have missed yeah. them, but it's Malibu blue. We also have sexy Betty. That's a beautiful lilac. So that was fun doing those colors and they they did very well through the holidays. We did Love Betty, which is red. You know, so we only rolled that out when we were ready. Consciously, you have to be very focused on what it is that you're selling and not veer off too much because one, you want to make money. As yeah. soon as your company looks like it's pretty stable and there's a trajectory of if I do this many sales, I'll make this much money. It will cover these costs. When you aren't focused on that and you start to branch out before you need to or before you really can, you get yourself into a debt that if you want to sell your company or if somehow you want to look like you're doing profitable business and continuing, you have to be very conscientious about that. No company wants to see a company kind of like depleted in their focus of what the main products are, and they're spending a lot of money on stuff that they're not even quite sure they want it to skew and if it's going to fly. So my first company, was there was a, a team of us that launched a network. And it was and a network. It was a te- te- television channel that yeah. there was no cable. This is how old I am. There was no cable. <laughs> it was in Los Angeles. And it was a great idea. And I call these ideas widgets because it can be a service. It's just something that you have that you need to get out there. And you know that the people out there want it, but you need to have a path to get it to them. There's a few of us that started this television channel, and it was an idea that was 24 hours coming attractions about the movie business, about movies. It was about movies and TV. And one of them I think you might recognize, which was Talk Soup. Yes. Yes. So Talk Soup was a show that this woman, Eileen Graham, wrote and did uh, when we were called Movie Time. It was called Movie Time. And it really was like 24 hour, you know, everything, you know, we're knee deep in, you know, in movies. So we really just worked on that. We worked on perfecting, you know, what we could. We knew basically nobody was watching it. I mean, you'd have to like find out how to get on what satellite and, and tweak it. You know, but you just kind of keep focused. You do interesting content. And we got better at we did. And we, we started to realize, well, everybody seems to want to do, you know, cover the the movie awards. So we'd figure out budgets to do something like that. We couldn't get any credentials. So we would just fake it. And our enthusiasm about this is really what I think helped push it along where we figured out how to get credentials. We were so excited about this that literally people were also excited. 
when you're kind of doing this and your enthusiasm and your hunches about it, because you have good hunches. I knew that people wanted to color their Bettys. Yeah. Because I had solid information. And we knew that we had a good thing with movie time because who doesn't want to hear about the entertainment business and movies and like celebrities? This is actually before the big celebrity blow up about, you know, all the news shows and stuff. I think at the time it was just like maybe entertainment tonight and that's it. So we had this little company and going back to your enthusiasm, the confidence, fake it until you make it. It really was one of those where you almost wanted to like hold the people and pet them, go, trust me, trust me, you're going to like this. So what happened with movie time is we, you know, we had our widget, which was the idea, the concept. We just did not have a way of getting it out to the people. So when we started to realize our ad sales people were starting to kind of pitch it to different people, you know, to people, a lot of people were like, yeah, you guys are on a satellite. Who watches you? We weren't getting a lot of ad sales. But all of a sudden, Talk Soup started to get some attention. And at that time, we had a pretty good machine going. We went out and we started to realize, okay, who can put us out there? Well, it's going to be primetime television. It's going to be cable. We need cable. Cable, at that point, HBO had come out. We need those people. Okay, so how do you do that? You do, you, let's go to those people. They know what they're doing. And so looking for an infrastructure where you can blend into, that's probably another thing that you start to kind of see where your paths are going and go to the people where they've already maybe have an infrastructure that they don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Because one, it makes sense for them to fold you in. You know your company, they're going to, either want you or not want you or pay you enough money not to be there. So it doesn't really, you don't really care what happens to it. Or you have a choice of getting some money and also getting royalties and a slow buyout. Sure enough, cable people came in, they took a look, they started to realize, wow, this is, this is interesting. And that was a complete buyout. That was an amazing experience that led to being part of what is now e-entertainment. I saw that, yeah. And so then you you see how it then merged. And, you know, I still got to keep, you know, my job. I had what my investment was in it. And then you start to realize, that's eh, pretty big now. There's a lot of suits. They're nice. And it's a whole different ball game. And I realized that, I loved taking the widget, coming up with the widget, or being part of a team that has a widget, seeing it through, understanding it, and then one, either letting it go or still being part of it to see how I can make it bigger. Yeah. With Betty, I was about to sell it, and I had another line that I wanted to do. I started just to talk to people. I think somebody always knows like a business people or nowadays you can kind of contact someone because people are always looking for a good idea. One of the things, depending on what the widget is, for me, I'd always look up, you know, companies that buy beauty products or fashion. 
So, oh, who are those people? Start getting a subscription and read WWD and find out who bought what. And I so I started to understand, oh, there's companies that come in and look at you and sell you. So I had the pleasure of meeting a guy who looked at my company. He goes, yeah, I'll take a look at it. Because like I said, people do want always a new idea, you know, an idea. You do have to be able to make a certain amount of money. Some companies will not look at you unless you're bringing in $5 million. That's not always the case. I mean, that was, you know, a long time ago. And then someone will refer you like, you know who you need to talk to? And I just found people are willing to help you. One, because you're so dedicated and if you're super focused, if you meet up with these people and you're kind of on your phone and you're like, yeah, okay, well, I think, well, I want to, and you don't know precisely a vision for yourself and for the products or, you know, the widget, they will be like, okay, she's, or he is, well, they're not really serious. And I need good workers these days. I need somebody who can help me pull this company. If I'm going to invest in it, I need a good leader. And I was pretty focused and just interested and just, wow, how did you do it? I was always a curious person, which I think that's also a great trait to have is focus and curiosity. Yep. So one of the things that you said that I wanted to point out is when you're talking about focus and you said, don't get distracted by other stuff. And one of the things that I see quite a bit is we get something, it starts to do okay. And then we feel like, or we're already on to the next thing before we've actually taken the one thing we're okay at and made us really great at it. So then you've spread yourselves too thin and then not only did you not perfect the first thing you had, but now you have a bunch of like, okay stuff and not a bunch of great stuff. So I see that happen quite a bit with some of the businesses I work with. So I think that's an excellent point that we need to get really good at the thing that we're doing first before we decide to move on to something else. So I love that. Nancy, what is next for you and Betty Beauty? Because I was able to sell my company and be as involved as much or as little as I wanted, and I'm still a consultant there, I've now been able to continue on some of the other widgets or ideas you know, that I have. Yeah. And one of the things I've been able to do since I sold Betty, I was reading something. I discovered an idea that was never made into a movie. And it just so happens that my husband is a documentary filmmaker now after we sold movie phone. And it kind of, I didn't expect to kind of be a movie maker, but this idea is something that was a true story from 1874. Uh, I'm on a fast track to get that into a treatment, to get to a screenwriter. So I have a few things that I want to do and I might have another couple products up my sleeve in the beauty field. So. That's awesome. I can't wait to see what you come out with next. So you have a lot of stuff going on, but where's the best place to, of course, we're all gonna like, I'm like hot pink or blue. I'm not sure which color I want to <laughs> do. I didn't even know it was an option until today. And I'm really I know, right? Yeah. That. Yeah. So uh, where can we find you? Where can we buy your stuff? Like, is it online? Is it in the stores? Where are you? The best place to get it. Well, first of all, it's on Amazon. Okay. It's on Amazon. We have a great company. Fisk Industries uh, has a great relationship with Amazon. So you can get on Amazon. You can also, to find out more about Betty Beauty and some of the other products, we also have stencils. We also have a wonderful 
no smell, no irritation, full Brazilian cream hair remover. And that's at bettybeauty.com. You can find out all kinds of information. And I think that those are probably the best places. Awesome. So the links to bettybeauty.com will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Nancy. It was, uh, your story is amazing. I'm so appreciative that you were willing to share that with all of us. And uh, we're just wishing you the best in all the stuff that you have going on. Oh, great. Well, I always love the opportunity to see if I can help out in some way, you know, or tell a story. I think it's always important. I didn't have this when I was starting my company. So I'm always, always willing to kind of talk. And like I said, if anybody does want to talk, I do express they reach out to me or reach out to you to get to me. I really do. Yes. Send us an email at the show if you're wanting to get in touch with Nancy and we will hook you up. Cool. Honey, what is it that you wanted to tell our listeners today? Get out there and break some boundaries and do it for me and my generation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. If you enjoyed this episode, would you be willing to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in? You can connect with me on LinkedIn using the link in the show notes. And until next week, don't be afraid to get out there and break some boundaries.